Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Episode 322, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam Show. As always, I am Chris Featherstone. Follow us at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. A blast from the past tonight on the episode. I love interviewing uh, just uh, veteran talent that's been in the biz- been around the business for quite some time. Uh, you know him. Uh, as his real name, um, uh, Alex Porto. He was he became the Pug, Alex the Pug Porto. He uh, did very well in Puerto Rico. Uh, he also did very well uh, within the Global Wrestling Federation Light Heavyweight Division. So, Alex the Plug, Alex the Pug Porto. How are you tonight, sir? Good man. Uh, you're gonna plug Alex the Porto, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm always fascinated to, to learn how or to, to find out how. You know, why wrestling? Why, why, why did you endeavor in a career professional wrestling outside of anything else that you could have uh, chosen in this world? Well, you know, I, uh, I, my, my dad raised my sister and I uh, as a single father. 
Uh, my dad was a football coach uh, for, for 25 years in basketball and track. Um, I, I was introduced to pro wrestling at about eighth grade from a friend of mine, uh, a neighbor. Um, uh, actually, uh, her son had played uh, football for my dad, and they invited me down to Mid-South in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, probably 1983, 84. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I just, uh, thought, wow, what a, what a way to make a living, you know, uh, be a pro wrestler, you know, run a loop like mid South and then, and, and make good money. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and that was it. Uh, that was it. And Alex Porto was focused from that day forward. Absolutely. Now, uh, within that mid South, you know, uh, kind of, uh, invitation into the wrestling business, you, Ended up working for World Class for a little bit. Did you work directly under Fritz, or was it, was it you know, different management at the time? Well, let's see. Uh, 1987, I got my first break uh, with Skandar Akbar. He actually gave me uh, my first television match in World Class, and I want to say it was 1988, um, uh, 87 I started. And my first television match was with um, Cowboy Tony Falk. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I assume, and I really don't know, I'm, I know Fritz is kind of, you know, uh, you know, still in the area and, and, and with the company, I, I guess, but to, I want to think, and I'm not positive, I want to say Eric Embry was the booker at the time. Okay. But yes, the Von Ericks were there, um, uh, Jimmy Jack Funk, Al Perez, Chris Adams, you know, Akbar, um, you know, um, uh, just all the world class guys that were still there, so I assume Fritz was, Fritz was still part of the program. Mm-hmm. Now, how often did you talk to the Von Ericks? Because, of course, unfortunately, us as wrestling talent fans know collectively that uh, you know they were stricken by just an unfortunate curse within death and, and suicide. Uh, David was gone at the time. I believe he died in what eighty four. I think it was uh, somewhere around there. Um, uh, Carrie, uh, died uh, in the early nineties. Um, Kevin is still with us, thankfully. And, um, and, uh, Mike, which one, uh, what's the, uh, uh, Von Eric's, uh, that did you ever talk to and did they give you any type of indication, you know, that, that they just were going through things mentally? Because I think around your time, Carrie, Kevin and Mike was still around, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and then also, uh, what was the little one's name? Chris. Chris, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually worked with Kevin Von Erich. I worked with Kerry Von Erich, and I worked with Chris, uh, all three Von Erichs. You know, those guys were, you'd never, and this is, this is you know, of course, I was 18 years old at the time in 1988, but, uh, I you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't come across from them or they didn't come across to me as if they really had any issues, to be honest with you. I mean, um, Carrie was a little, you know, a little high strung in the locker rooms, but as far as, I mean, uh, when I say that, I I don't mean, you know, he's just kind of, you know, he's always kind of bouncing around and and getting ready for first match and, and, uh, you know, very, very respectful and, you know, of course, I mean, you know, I was just a young kid coming over from Louisiana, so uh, it was more more of a, you know, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Um, uh, you know, welcome to TV or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, um, I, no, no indications that uh, any of that was ever uh, in, in, in the future. 
Yeah, yeah. Sad. I mean, not only Von Erichs, not only Chris, um, Carrie, uh, and, and David, uh, you know, there were other, unfortunately, you know, Hernandez and, uh, you know, other names that, uh, unfortunately, a gentleman, Chris Adams is another one, uh, from, you know, the, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from world class. It's just a, you know, a tough time. So I, I remember following world class and, uh, I was still a kid. I was still, uh, a, not a baby baby, but I was still a kid in the early eighties. I mean, late eighties, excuse me. And just kind of picking it up, just, you know, through tapes and then media through the nineties and just, uh, watching the DVD that, um, another late, uh, uh, uh former personnel of, uh, little class Gary Hart, you know, he had a lot, uh, of influence in that DVD and, it's just really sad to, to, to see that. But um, World Class is definitely something that's very memorable. And, and World Class transitioned, as far as your tenure, transitioned to uh, USWA. Because when you said Eric Embry, it made sense because he was doing a lot of the book in the USWA at that time, right? Yeah, he was uh, kind of back and forth. And that's whenever, you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett and, uh, you know, Dundee and the uh, some of the other guys were coming in from USWA on uh, doing some of the uh, World Class TV. So they were kind of, you know, trading talent, so to speak. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was 88, 89, pretty much, yes. Now, how, how impactful was Lawler around that time? Because I know he won the title like 20-something, 30-something times, <laughs> the, uh, the, the top title for USWA. Uh, did you ever get a chance to interact with Lawler? I did. I, that was actually when I went to Memphis. Uh, Jerry Garrett, he came up to me after about uh, oh, probably five or six months of doing TV in, uh, in, in Dallas for World Class, and he asked me, he said, hey, you know, you want to go to Tennessee and be one of the dirty white boys? And uh, I said, absolutely. You know, that was really my first break yeah. uh, you know, with a character and, and, and a push, so to speak. And uh, – so uh, I, I, you know, I, I got some Harley boots and got some black gear made up, some uh, a couple other things, and and off to Nashville I went and USWA and Lawler was there. Uh, he was a big inspiration, um, kind of cocky, um, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but but you know, overall, uh, yes. I mean, Lawler. Um, Hands down, probably one of the best workers ever. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy could work, you know, 30, 45 minutes and never take a bump and, and still have you drawn in, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, was it uh, just your popularity in uh, USWA that got you? Because you, you wrestled very briefly uh, initially for WCW at the time. Was it during the Hurt era or was it during what? Well, you know, I was actually doing um, a uh, world class, or I'm sorry, WCW uh, in in '88, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had um, I worked with Greg Muda down in, in Baton Rouge. I worked with Kevin Sullivan, Terry Funk, the Road Warriors, Sting, um, the Freebirds. I mean, you know, just a ton, a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luger. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, that was in 89 as well. I was pretty much doing, uh, you know, I do a house show here and there, which is non-televised. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if I was, if they were in the area in Louisiana, uh, and then I do some TV for them. Um, you know, just being at the building, right place at the right time. A lot of times got me booked. Uh, I was in Shreveport one night for a house show and, uh, I don't know who it was that couldn't make it to Monroe the next night. 
but uh, Rick Flair was the booker, mm-hmm. and uh, he just uh, right out of the blue said, Alex, can you be in Monroe tomorrow night? I said, yes, sir. And, uh, you know, it was only 80 miles down the road or whatever it was. And uh, I worked the first match with Bill Irwin, Wild Bill Irwin. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that that was the goal to me, man. I mean, you know, that's just a, just a great indication of always uh, having the right attitude and, and, and being in shape and ready to go. Yeah, and it's funny because you and Irwin will work together again a few years later for Global. So it, it worked out uh, worked out really well. Now, yeah. uh, now, now, interestingly, you, you you said a bunch of different names from WCW. I'm I'm, I'm curious to know. Uh, you mentioned names such as the Great Muda and Lex Luger. Uh, neither of them are in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, do you think either of them should be, or what were your thoughts on that? Um, well, I don't know that Muda really ever did much for Vince, uh, and and. Uh, not to say that he didn't. Uh, maybe he did. Uh, I don't recollect a lot of that. Um, but I know that Luger, um, you know, he was a big draw up there when he went up there. When he slammed Yokozuna on that mm-hmm. Navy ship, yeah. I mean, that was that 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 was big, you know. And uh, I think Luger, Luger, uh, I think he pulled his weight with WWE. Mm-hmm. Now, were you around when uh, the incident with Luger in the cage with with Bruiser Brody? Were you, were you uh, in the business at that time or no? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. When Luger and Brody what? Yeah, when when Brody just no so Luger in the cage. I think that was later. No, I did. As a matter of fact, I never saw that. Oh, uh, really? But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I could, uh, I could. Uh, it's funny you say that. I could probably see that happening. Although that probably wasn't good for the business. Uh, I could see Brody doing something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he has some stories, all right. I, from what I've, I've talked to many wrestlers, uh, and from what I have heard before, it's Brody and, and Andre were Andre the Giant were uh, the same in a lot of ways. As far as if they liked you, you know, they they wouldn't they don't mind putting you over. But if they didn't, they would they would no sell for sure. Have you ever wrestled someone who you had an is, issue with just no selling what you were doing? Yes, uh, I've, I've, I have a, a few times. As a matter of fact, um, I've, you know, I've been on both sides of that. I, uh, you know, um, I, <laughs> I was working with a tag team down in uh, Puerto Rico, and, uh, and you know, and a decent little tag team. Of course, I've been around maybe you know, a little bit longer, but uh, their psychology was a little bit off, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of go just going with what they were doing. I cut one of them off and, uh, and you know, they, they, uh, I guess they thought that my psychology wasn't there because, you know, they were kind of, you know, and it just kind of got a little, got a little squabble there, uh, you know, back and forth. So we went back to working. Uh, I had a kid down in, um, um, South Florida one time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd worked. It was a TV night that night. I'd worked with Aaron Epic uh, first match, mm-hmm. uh, or 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 within the first taping, and then uh, another kid was from somewhere up north, uh, Nick Nar Nar Narcissistic or something like that. And and uh, you know, I was going over you know a few things with him, and uh, and he said uh, he said, brother, I don't know if I can put that over or not. You know, uh, I got to go out there and get myself over. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's not something you say when you're 16 or 17 years old. Right. Somebody's been working for 10 years. Um, I walked up to the booker, the promoter, and I told him straight up, I said, look, I'm not sure how this is going to go. 
but uh you know we'll see what happens and yeah. um anyway yeah the guy got out there and he started no selling and uh and, and i had to lay it in a little bit not you know when you lay it in it makes them sell oh so, yeah uh, i didn't have any i didn't have any problems making the adjustment um but uh and you know vice 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 versa however you say that uh you know in japan it's the same way if uh somebody knocks the piss out of you if you don't if you don't retaliate and 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 waffle them back they're going to eat you up oh you yeah um, a lot of times it's just uh just seeing where you're at you know if you know how to work a lot of times yeah. um you know and a lot of times it's just the way some guys like to work um you know i i personally you know went to japan about eight times and and brought that style back to america it's much more snug it's much more believable mm-hmm. you look like a real worker um you know a lot of guys are real big on on being you know looking like a million dollars and, and, and he never touched you there's nothing wrong with that but i'd rather be a little bit more snug and um and, and not break your teeth or your nose and 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 have somebody say now that's a real worker yeah. you know and that's a good point that you made uh because we don't see that a lot in in, in the new version you know the, the modern version of wwe it's but you know it's it's became moves over characters which you know to me just kills the kayfabe of it all you know the, the point of wrestling is to suspend disbelief but uh you know back then it was it was about being good in the ring while also having a character you know what do you think is do you think that that's a deficiency in in today's wrestling? And if you do, you know what? Where do you think it started? As far as just that turn of the corner of uh, characters not meaning as much as it used to be. Well, the, the, I'll be honest with you. The, the business is flooded with workers, and 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 you can take this however you want. Probably seven out of ten pro wrestlers in the business right now probably shouldn't be in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, when, when I was breaking in in the 80s, you know, you, you were putting guys' names on the line that, that would bring you in. Now everybody's a wrestler. And, and the, 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 it, it just doesn't, it doesn't have the same meaning. You know, a, a, a pro wrestler uh, should stand out without ever having to say he's a pro wrestler. If you got to tell somebody you're a professional wrestler, you probably don't look like one. <laughs> you know, point. um, Furthermore, uh, you're right. I mean, now, now these all these high spots that they're doing now, uh, now you've got to do ten or twelve things. They think you've got to do ten or twelve things to to get the march attention. Well, in reality, is it's really too much, uh, you know. Uh, and then when you go to settle down, they're just totally they're totally lost on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some marks have, have just they're geared to that. That's all they've seen the last ten years. But uh, what happened to just slow down and work your character mm-hmm. exactly, just like you said, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is political correctness. You know, you can't, you would never see uh, an angle like Junkyard Dog and Michael Hayes in the Superdome anymore because of political correctness. Good point. Yeah, I agree with that very much. We see a lot of that just, you know, being extra PC and, you know, it kind of ruining, you know, the whole point of, this this is a narrative. This is a story. This is entertainment. You know, this is this isn't uh, this isn't real. Speaking of WWE, uh, you, you you had some success in global uh, global wrestling federation. Uh, so Pettacini was uh, in charge at that time, right? Joe Pettacini. 
Well, actually, Joey just left. I was in Puerto Rico in 91 and 92. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came back into global, uh, or world class, rather, it had turned into global. Mm -hmm. uh, that's whenever uh, Bill Irwin was booking at the time and okay. Michael Hayes. Uh, and Bill Irwin actually put me and Sean Summers together. Uh, Sean was the beach boy. And uh, when I came in from Puerto Rico, they wanted a tag team. And so they, they said, what do we call you the beach bully? And uh, we'll, we'll put you guys as a tag team. So we had a lot of success with that. And um, uh, but yeah, Global was uh, Global was great. That was some of the best TV coverage. It was on every day, Monday through Friday at three mm -hmm. o'clock on ESPN. ESPN, uh, yeah, I remember absolutely all, all over the world. You know, so uh, uh, that was just yeah, that was as good as it got at the time. Yeah, I, I love Global. I remember watching it. Uh, you know, I think what ninety to ninety four that it was around and. Uh, just you know, it's funny. Just those four years, you know, only four years of of, of having a, a company, and it basically it, it it drew so many stars. It created so many stars. I mean, uh, the Godfather is in the Hall of Fame now. He was what the soul taker at the time, and of course, you know, uh, JBL. You know, I think he was with uh, Justin Hawk or something like that around that time. And, yeah. Uh, of course, Booker T and Stevie Ray were the Ebony Experience, and now Booker T's in the Hall of Fame. And there's, you know, there's there's a lot of names that uh, that became. I mean, uh, the Handsome Stranger, you know, is is now Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of names. I just interviewed uh, Jerry Lynn uh, a few weeks back, and you know, he was huge in, in the global light heavyweight division, just like you were. And uh, of course, you know, uh, uh, X Pac, you know, Sean Waltman, uh, he was. Uh, what the what was he the Kamikaze Kid or the uh, One Two Three Kid? Well, the One Two Three Kid came from uh, after pinning Razor Ramon. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, Lightning Kid. Lightning Kid. That's what it was. Yeah, Lightning Kid. Yeah, yeah. And I think he was like right, the Undertaker. Undertaker was out there. Yep, sure uh, was. Whenever I was there. Yep. Uh, I want to say it was Texas Red. Texas Red. Yeah, he had the, he had the mask, didn't he? Uh, he, right. yeah. Tony Norris, uh, Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed, yep. He was, um, he, I forgot, he, uh, Moabib, Moabib or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. I mean, just a lot of really, really cool names, uh, uh, at the time. And you end up, you end up doing a stint in WWE. Now, uh, I remember you from, from Global, uh, and, and you got a little bit more exposure, you know, just, from a, while you were in WWE, it seemed like they were trying to push you, you know, to be a, kind of a mat wrestling type of person. Uh, I suppose the pug came from just kind of like a ferocious dog reference. I mean, is that where that came from? Well, you know, uh, when I did my tryout matches in Texas for WWE, I worked with the, the Godwins uh, and then Gold Dust, and that was pretty much. They said, okay, I we you know. We know this guy can work. Let's bring him in. So they did. They brought us in, and we went to Creations uh, in the in the Titan Towers up in New York or, or uh, uh, Connecticut, Stanford, rather. Yeah, yeah, Stanford. And uh, you know, we you know, I told him I was the beach bully, and then Alex Porto in uh, in Japan, and uh, uh, one of the dirty white boys, and and you know, and, and the last thing I told him was I was an amateur wrestler in high school for four years before I ever got into business. And um, and Bruce Pritchard called me back about two weeks later, and he said, hey, you know, we're going to call you the pug uh, or pit bull. Um, you're going to be an amateur wrestler, just came out of college. You know, you 
really don't quite know how to work, but you know how to shoot. And, uh, and I said, okay, that's cool. And uh, Craig Pittman was in Atlanta at the time for, uh, with the pit bull gimmick. So mm-hmm. they ended up going with the pug. So that was all fence or all creations or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, I, you know, I mean, I enjoyed my spot. If there was a great production, I mean, it, did they put me over like they could have? No. And, um, you know, I mean, when they tell you, hey, you got four minutes with Farouk or you, know, you got five minutes with Mankind, you know, yeah. you, got, you got six minutes with Vader. I mean, you know, um, you know, those guys were those guys were, were larger than life characters and not to diminish myself. But, um, you know, we were there to get those guys over more than anything. And then on Tuesday nights uh, for superstars, they would put us over. So, I mean, it was kind of a win-win deal. Um, was it my greatest matches? Absolutely not. Was it my best exposure? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did, some, I did some great international tours with WWE. Uh, worked with, you know, uh, Leaf Cassidy, which is Al Snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked with, you know, Duck Burness and Phil Lafon. You know, uh, Owen Hart and the Bulldog. I mean, I worked with Jim Neidhart, uh, Bradshaw in the Garden. So I had a lot of successful matches, and uh, and, and it's, it's been great on the resume. Yeah, absolutely. Now, were there any plans? Like, when you came in there, did Pritchard kind of tell you that you were uh, just kind of like a glorified enhancement talent, so to speak? Or were there any, you know, plans you know, as far as using your character? Were there any plans to feud, have a major feud or have any championships? I don't think so. I think that, you know, when they brought us in, uh, the funny thing was, was we all took a limo from uh, from, from New York straight to uh, uh, Stanford. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was in there. It was Freddie Joe Floyd, uh, you know, Tracy Smothers, uh, Tony Anthony. Dal Sincere. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, Neidhart Tom, was Tom there. Tom Brady, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, that. Funny thing was, is, you know, uh, when, when we all got to the airport in New York, uh, we, you know, they had brought us all in together. And mm-hmm. um, and you could tell by the way they had used us the first couple of TVs. Okay, well, you know, they're, they're looking for good workers on the road, you know. And um, I think what happened was, is is the guys that they were they were using enhancement guys on the road? Uh, maybe they had gear, um, and maybe they could work a little bit, but they probably didn't look like workers. Mm-hmm. And and for, for they wanted a little bit better product on Raw, so so they brought us in. Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, let the listeners know uh, what you're doing now. Twenty years later, from your over twenty years later, uh, removed from your WWE run. I know that you, you know, since then you you did a lot of independent shows. Uh, but uh, what are you doing nowadays? Well, I've got a uh, I've got a promotion in a school down here in Orlando. We're about a mile from the WWE Performance Center. Oh, nice. It's uh, yeah, it's called Pro Wrestling 2.0. Uh, we've been around a couple of years now. Um, uh, we've got a lot of great talent. Of course, this is, you know, the area for talent. Um, we, uh, we've had a lot of success. Our first, uh, champion ever was, uh, Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our, uh, ladies champion recently was, uh, Santana Garrett. Uh, now, um, uh, Robin Reed has it. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Robin Reed. She was one of, uh, Booker T's girls out of Texas. Okay. From uh, reality of wrestling. That's right. Uh, we had uh, our, our our current uh, tag team champs, uh, Aaron Epic and 
and um, um, gosh, uh, Mark Stone. Uh, anyway, we yeah we got to we got to hold the belts up now. I got them turned in the office since Martin's uh, now with Vince. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have a, a title tournament, a tag team title tournament coming up soon. Uh, the ladies' champs, we've got women's tag team champs. That's Chelsea Green and Santana Garrett. Um, we've got a real, real uh, young girl out of uh, Miami, Anna Diaz. Uh, she's our Tampa 2.0 women's champ. So uh, we've got a slew of talent in the area. I tell you, yeah. it's a great area oh, down here. Uh, we uh, we run monthly. Um, Mecca Wolf 450 uh, is our booker. Uh, he was one of the guys in the uh, – or I think he was actually supposed to be in the uh, 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 light heavyweight uh, uh, tournament with uh, WWE. I don't know what happened with that, but um, I don't know if he hurt his knee or something like that. But sure. anyway, he's our booker, and uh, just uh, we've had a lot of success. We run again June 5th, next Tuesday. Uh, name of the show is Heavy Metal Summer. Uh, be sure to give us a look. Uh, look us up on, you know, we're on Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter, Pro Wrestling 2.0. Uh, you can go to www.prowrestling20.com. Uh, we do have a uh, uh, women's uh, all-girls training on Monday nights with Santana at 6 o'clock. Uh, Mecca Wolf 450 and uh, Eric Lockhart, which is one of the guys who trained with uh, – uh, actually, he was out of uh, the AWA era with uh, – uh, Gosh, was he, uh, uh, Ganya. He was mm-hmm. one of the last uh, students out of the Ganya, Ganya school. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got those guys that handle our co-ed training. That's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 7 o'clock. Uh, our dues are $200 a month. No contracts, nothing down. Um, you know, so we're fairly reasonable, and uh, we're turning a lot, of, a lot of athletes out of there. Yeah, it sounds like it. I've, I've interviewed Chelsea uh, green on my show before and uh, she's got a lot of potential of course she was impact wrestling women's champion i've spoke with uh, uh sammy callahan in person uh you you've got you got some great talent there and uh that's that's awesome to hear alex has been a pleasure it's it's always awesome to sit under the learning tree of someone who's been in the business for quite some time and it looks like you're still rolling rocking and rolling and uh on the other side nowadays of being the uh, the mentor instead of the mentee. So that's always good to hear. Well, I appreciate you. It's always good to, you know, listen and, uh, and, uh, and have a conversation with the old school, uh, uh, you know, uh, fans out there and, and, you know, uh, appreciate your time and, and, uh, it's, uh, it's been great. Thanks a lot, Alex. Have a good night. Hey, you down. Bye-bye now. Right. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, our mind, let's go. The whole squad is making it clear. We've taken this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we're here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play. Like who defies the living God? Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for Dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them 
to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin, with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent, to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. <laughs> From here to Saturday, raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals, using God for my defense. In Alabama, we jamming, that's beautiful Bobby eating. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do-rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep, you all what you speak, this too sweet. Till the number is took back, we rapping that work pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking, yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust, pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap, he turning the power on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb, tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through, diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too, it's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal, we playing them war games, our army go move too, you crew, I'm in the Raptors, with a bat in my hand, and stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter, in the grand scheme, it's that easy, we tag teaming, sign the brother, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash to the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. And a special thank you to Alex the Pug Porto. Uh, very interesting name. Um, legend in the business, like I said before, it's just it's always really cool to interview people who just are legends in the business. Uh, WWE, he had a really interesting stint in WWE. Uh, not the not the best, uh, but definitely memorable enough to share some stories with us and be on the show. So uh, it's definitely cool. Alex the Pug Porto. I remember him from Global Wrestling Federation. Uh, I was a big fan of Global Wrestling Federation back in the day. I would always come after school and watch it on ESPN. It was so cool to watch. And uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think about I think about projects like Global Wrestling Federation and ECW. Uh, Global lasted for four years, ECW lasted for seven years, and within those two promotions, you know, 11 years combined, and still, I mean, it left so many people, you know, it it created so many uh, stars uh, within just that short of time. Both lasted less than 10 years, and still lasted, you know, it created so many stars within the company. So I can see that, you know, I can see a flavor of the week coming up soon. Maybe we'll talk about the best, you know, the top stars of GWF or just really recalling GWF. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool to hear Alex, uh, you know, the blast in the past, very successful career in global wrestling federation and also the world wrestling council as well in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, those, being popular and global in Puerto Rico gave him an opportunity to compete in the WWE. Um, now, it's interesting. I never knew that Pritchard just kind of told him to come <laughs> because, uh, you know, the advent of Raw and the advent of, uh, you know, just really that kind of edgy type of television uh, that he hired people specifically to be kind of glorified enhancement talents. Like, I wonder, you know, it's funny just to see as a wrestler, if I was a, you know, if I was a professional wrestler right now and 
I get a call from the WWE to say, hey, you know what? We're going to hire you, but your sole purpose is to be a jobber. I mean, I really don't know how I receive that, uh, especially with, uh, I think I talked to, uh, last last week we were talking with Lance Archer, um, just the advent of independent wrestling nowadays and just how how popular it is and how you don't have to necessarily be in WWE to really make in the professional wrestling business. Of course, you know, I've been in WrestleMania a couple times. Someone would be ridiculous if they say that they don't want to at least feel that WrestleMania moment as a competitor at least once. Um, but at the same time, you know, the past interview from the Young Bucks, you know, they, they, they said it well. It's one of those things that at this point in time, they can retire from the professional wrestling business and they'll be much more popular than a whole lot of other names in the WWE. Now, I have my particular, uh, you know, critiques on the Young Bucks, uh, but they know how to promote. They know how to make themselves uh, important. They know how to brand very, very, very well. And we saw that with just uh, the success of the all-in event, uh, you know, as far as just sales-wise. So, you know, kudos to people who know how to plug their brand to make it harder for WWE just to say that it's us or nothing anymore. That's not really that's not really the case. So, um, I would I think people like Porto, if he was around nowadays, said there would be a better opportunity for him to grow stock because as we've seen with people like, you know, Drew McIntyre. Uh, Jinder Mahal, you know, they can leave WWE and uh, especially Drew, they can grow and they can build an independent presence. Drew, you know, he competed back in the UK and uh, his time in in, in Impact Wrestling. And, you know, he developed an an absolutely fantastic resume, you know, on his own route back to uh, WWE. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's not as hard to make it outside of WWE as it used to be. And unfortunately for people like Alex Porto, great, you know, I, I remember watching him as a, as a wrestler, great kind of shoot style competitor. Um, however, he was, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't, I mean, there, there was hardly ever any strong at all independent presence to really say that I made it or I'm going to build my stock. So, you know, I think, I think a character like Alex Porto was just really good, but just at the wrong time, unfortunately, I think we've seen that with many characters just 20 years ago, you know, early nineties, mid nineties, even late nineties, really good characters, but just in a bad time that they can't really build the stock of the character. Nowadays, you can do that. So got a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. We got uh, Daniel Bryan to talk about tonight. Uh, just some, some interesting discussions going on with Daniel Bryan uh, as far as just his, him and his contract. We've got, uh, uh, we're going to talk about some cool heel stuff. I mean, we, we've talk, talked about that uh, uh, quite a bit on the show, but uh it's an interesting topic. It's always an interesting topic to talk about, and we've got some veteran uh, opinion on it 
uh, by way of uh, Don Callis. We'll talk about that as well. Also talk about Daniel Bryan and, and, and Brock Lesnar. Uh, it's the dream match that one of them, according to the other person, don't really care about. Talk about the Altars of Pain as well. See uh, where, where their status is and just, wow. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, less than two months uh, from their debut, they're just uh, vanished just about. Uh, we're all in SmackDown, of course, review. And, of course, the Money in the Bank, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Flavor of the Week. We'll talk about uh, five interesting interesting uh, uh, conversation piece here. Five Money in the Bank participants who shouldn't have been in the particular match. So we're going to talk about that. So whatever, you know, interaction you would like to have tonight on the Facebook or on the YouTube live from Wrestling Inc. And also the uh, Crave Wrestling Facebook page, Crave Wrestling, Twitter at Crave Wrestling for both platforms. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we have the co-host with the most from uh, Under the Mat Radio. He is the one. He is the only. He is Evan Tech Proud. How are you tonight, sir? Doing all right, man. How you feeling? Doing great, man. Um, you know, still sore from the back. Uh, still, still, still with it, but. Uh, Learning more and more how to be patient, just how to be patient in life. I'm, I'm always working and always doing something. Just, um, I'm not a busybody per it se, is. but I'm just always productive. I'm always active. right, yeah, active. I'm, I'm, I'm either uh, taking care of the family. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working uh, as a mental health uh, specialist, as a journalist, as a podcaster, as a small group leader for my church, as a uh, um, uh, consultant. DJ. So many things I do throughout the yeah. So many things I do throughout the week. These these times that I'm at home, you know, for my surgery, and uh, I've got about three more months to go. So throughout the summertime, I'm going to learn more and more about patients, and it's a really really good lesson for me to learn just to kind of put the pause button on things uh, and know that they'll be they'll they'll be there. They're still important for you. They'll be there. So that's a that's a good lesson that I'm continuing to learn, especially uh, being, um, you know, a home a homebody for most of most of the week. Um, right. But you know, I, I'm having a good time, man. I'm I'm uh, getting a lot of work done still uh, at home. Uh, still working on my dissertation uh, to become a doctor, and uh, things are going very well. They're great. Yes, yes, indeed. Speaking of the world of wrestling, here's the first trivia question, ladies and gentlemen, on deck. Who was Doug Furness's partner in the WWE? Who was Doug Furness's partner in the WWE? How about that? Talk about uh, mid to late 90s. There's the trivia question right there. Who was That's Doug right Furness's uh, trivia partner? Uh, who, was, uh, who was the Doug Furness's partner? In the WWE. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to talk. To, we got a lot to talk about. So let's get it on. Headlines and go. Good job, Gruss. He's already ready. Philip Lafon. 
Philip Lafon. I see the I see trash. I didn't I see a comment here. You didn't like Doug Furness and Philip Lafon. I think they was uh, we got a we got someone who didn't like the team. Um, I think they were very under underutilized in WWE. I think they were uh, a fantastic. Again, you know it's it's funny. I, I think they great. fit right into like really Alex good. Porto. Fantastic, just kind of catch style, really you know rough type of you know team. But they were just really kind of they they really didn't have any type of feel to them. So I mean, it was just really 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 odd, really odd to them. So, um, all right, good job. Next question on deck. Here we go. What were the years that WWE's ECW existed? What were the years that WWE's ECW existed. All right, first uh, first headline for today is uh, so there's some rumors, there's some some discussions going on right now that uh, Daniel Bryan's con- has yet to resign uh, a WWE contract. Now again, uh, it is uh, I see 2006 to 2009 almost. Almost, I think that uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. 2006 to 2010, and NXT started in, in uh, 2010. So yeah, good job. I see someone say you can say 2005. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the 2006 when the actual launch came. You know, not mm-hmm. counting the the one night stands. Although the I really, especially the first one night stand pay per view, I, I loved it. I I think it was yeah, fantastic. That was great. That was my favorite. I loved it. Yes. Um, I didn't like the fact that Jericho lost again. <laughs> Jericho's always putting somebody over. Jericho's always uh, losing. He's always losing, man. As much, uh, Jericho's one of my all-time favorites. But, but Big fan of Chris Jericho, is. but he's always he putting leave. somebody over. Uh, it was hey, Lance Storm, I think it was, that he lost to. Uh, what was that? The ECW one night. I think it was. I think it was Lance Storm. If I'm not mistaken, someone in the chat room um, beats me to it. Uh, let me know who it was, but I think it was. I think it was. I think Jericho put Lance Storm over. Jericho was, uh, you know, a he was a wrestler. He was an, an roster member of the WWE. Lance Storm was for a little while, but he wasn't even on the main roster. He wasn't even on the roster. I don't think at that time, 2005. Um, Yep, first match of a downloadable, 2005 night stand. The, the, uh, the downloadable content. Oh, yeah. Wow. Downloadable content for that event. Yeah, he was the DLC for that event. Absolutely. Now, what, what, what about that ECW? Uh, what was that? The TNA one he did when it was ECW. Oh. Uh, oh my last night, was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it uh, <laughs> It what was, was the name um, of that fans? Travis. Travis the name of that fans. You know what I'm talking about. It was Dream. Yeah, Earth. well, it became – it was the it was a regular TNA pay-per-view, but they changed it. I think it was like uh, – okay, so it was Hard Justice, and they changed it to Hardcore was. Justice. They changed it to Hardcore Justice. So just a bunch of different names that had nothing – that was What's just that, so odd because, you Who know, is- WWE owned – the ECW names and so, uh, yeah, it was that was sad. Before it, it, was, it, was, it was before what it was, it wasn't bad. Before it was, it wasn't bad though. Uh, 
it was it was rough. The first one, the, the first <laughs> one, yeah, the, the, the first call for justice wasn't bad. It, I mean, WWE has done some worse stuff, and we've seen a lot with some TNA Impact Anthem, whatever you call them. But uh, I just thought that was funny. Hardcore justice is bad. bad. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, wrong reasons. It was so funny because I think it was um, 2000. I don't remember when the first one was. I, I was, um, I was, I got married in 2010, and I think I was still single at the time. Maybe, maybe my wife and I were dating, but I had, you know, I, I, I'm a big ECW fan, so I was this whole EV 2.0 thing they were doing and uh, building into a hardcore match. And I was getting excited about this whole thing. And I was, I invited people over, had, you know, a big, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the only thing good about hardcore justice was the name. You know, that's a good point. Uh, you know, and I was getting really excited about it. I said, you know what, hardcore justice, let's bring back the ECW. Let's revive it. Um, and it, it, it was so embarrassing. Thank God the people I invited were actual, wrestling fans and knew about ECW uh but it was embarrassing it was embarrassing to even cuz i actually paid i think that was one of the only times paid for an actual TNA pay-per-view i think that was probably probably the only time paid for for a TNA pay-per-view and it left such a bad taste in my mouth i don't think i ever did it again you know since wrestlers to pay for for event period um, so they tell me that the money of all pockets that is was hardcore justice was that the first time they see Tommy Dreamer was it hard justice? Uh now okay, so hardcore justice was two thousand and ten it looks like. Uh so it was uh two months before I got married. So um okay, so FBI Defeated. Okay, so here are the results. It was August eighth, two thousand ten. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if you're going to buy a TNA show back then, Lockdown would have been the show. I, I think I might have bought Lockdown. I might have bought yeah. the Joe. I think I might have bought the Joe Angle Lockdown, which was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, Lockdown was pretty good. And then, um, yeah, but that was before I got media stuff that you know nowadays I watch them for free. But um, Okay, so this is 2010. So Hardcore Justice, that was the okay. So they were doing the whole, I think the EV 2.0 thing. So two cold scope, two cold, two cold Scorpio defeated T.W. Anderson. Um, that was a pretty good match. Uh, Stevie Richards defeated uh, P.J. Polanco. So of course P.J. Credible, um, and he went by you know his his actual name, um, you know his. Peter Joseph, PJ Polanco, uh, and then he had uh, Bucci, Mike Bucci, uh, Nova, um, which was yeah. Hollywood Nova with him at the time, and yeah, uh, he didn't have the blue mini. He had blue Tilly, which uh, was blue one Tilly, of the. Yeah. Uh, he was like, I think it was like Phi Delta Slam or something like that. So for TNA in the early days. And then Rhino defeated Al Snow and Brother Runt, who was Spike Dudley. Um, and this then Team 3D, 
with Gertner defeated Axel Rotten. Okay, so this was this was the one that I bought actually because I thought this this was terrible. A South Philadelphia street fight. Uh, instead of of course, uh, Balls Mahoney couldn't use Balls Mahoney in TNA, so they called him Cajones. That was quite odd. Um, Raven defeating Dreamer, Dreamer with Foley, a special guest referee, and then RVD defeating Sabu, which actually wasn't a bad match. Um, so that, I don't know if that was the whole EV 2.0 thing. Maybe it was 2011 um, with the EV 2. Well, it might have been 2010. Um, I think that's how it all started. Uh, so Hardcore Justice, then after that, um, it, it 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 kept the hardcore justice name, but it just went to um, just regular. It became like a regular TNA pay per view. Yeah, it was just it wasn't even really like ECW versus TNA. Um, the the next year in 2011 was actually a pretty stacked card. Kurt Angle beat Sting to win the uh, World Heavyweight Championship. So, uh, yeah, very very interesting stuff, but. As far as the headline is concerned, let's get back to that. Is uh, so Daniel Bryan? There's some some there's some confirmed yet, but there's some talks that um, yeah, this is when TNA was giving RVD a big push. Yep. Uh, uh, there's some talks that uh, Bryan hasn't even uh, re-signed his contract yet. Now, uh, PW Stream reported that they said per their sources uh, again. It's unconfirmed as far as just the the, the uh, if that's real or not. But uh, PW Stream have have broke a, a few things, but uh, that take it as a rumor as of now. But according to uh, them, their sources say that uh, Daniel Bryan has yet to sign to resign his contract. So it's very very interesting because I think that uh, I made I made a tweet about this. Uh, a little after uh, SmackDown, we'll talk about that a little bit later, that they're kind of, talking about hot-shotting, they're kind of like hot-shotting Daniel Bryan just to be a part of everything nowadays. And so he's, instead of making him just a, uh, instead of just really making his, his name uh, important or really um, somebody something to look forward to, He's just one of the guys now. And I talked about this last week on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. You know, it, it's there's nothing different nowadays with Daniel Bryan. There's nothing. And and within, uh, you know, six weeks of coming back, six, seven weeks of coming back, Daniel Bryan has lost to cleanly. He lost cleanly uh, to Rusev, and he got choked out by Samoa Joe. So there's a part of me. Like understanding WWE's mentality, you know, based on a lot of people I've talked to who are current and former uh, uh, employees there or, or, or contractors there, it's there's a part of me that's saying we want to keep you, you know, on this contract. We don't want to freeze it up. We don't want to just uh, hold you up. We want you, you know, we know that you're going to be a draw. You know, uh, so we're going to have you compete, but there's nothing, unfortunately, there's nothing about Daniel Bryan nowadays that looks different than the rest. It was, it was at first when they were, when they were kind of building the whole, um, you know, coming back out of retirement and things like that. There was so much stock in his name. Unfortunately, now it's like, he's just, 
there's no different. And why in the world would you have him get choked out by Samoa Joe? And it, it, it's terrible. So a part of me thinks, and, and, and you know, I may be wrong, but a part of me thinks that WWE is trying to really um, kind of bridle Daniel Bryan. And if there's discussions of him potentially leaving, I think his contract's up at the end of September, you know, come out, you know, he'll be, he'll miss all in, of course, unless, you know, WWE lets him get out of his contract earlier, which I doubt that's going to happen. But at the same time, it's like, man, a part of me thinks that if the WWE, you know, if he hasn't decided to resign, WWE's kind of putting him in these positions where kind of losing, you know, uh, kind of the, the luster and kind of losing stock in this character. I've heard about that being discussed before, and it's just sad to me. It's really, really sad to me that they had – a draw. They had Daniel Bryan, the person who hasn't wrestled for three years. They had him as a potentially a top draw, as somebody that as as somebody that someone and, and and people would watch all everywhere. Now they're having him lose cleanly on SmackDown and get choked out on SmackDown. So. I don't know, man. It just seems kind of fishy to me as far as the WWE is concerned with Daniel Bryan yeah. and his contract. It really seems fishy to me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't like how they, every week he's wrestling these pay-per-views uh, matches, and I'm like, one, what is where's the authority that on SmackDown? Where's Shane? Okay, Daniel Bryan's back to being a wrestler, so I guess he's not a gym anymore. Yeah, they're using them every week with these top quality matches. And it makes you think WWE's like, well, well, if you're not going to renew your contract, we're gonna get the most out of you as we can. Yeah. You're gonna get the last the last the last little bit of luck that you have left. Yeah. And that way if you don't resign we could just let you go. And that way if you do, it is that is WWE is just trying to play the safe route. But like you said, I would think they would use Daniel Bryan more of an attraction, like having Russell once a month, like one, like we could do one SmackDown in, in each pay-per-view. But we've seen him every week, and it's like since he's come back, he's main event at every single SmackDown. So I don't remember the last time AJ Styles has main event SmackDown since Daniel Bryan's come back from Mania. Yeah, there's no, about that. So, yeah, right, there's no and, difference. And, right. And like you said, I love Daniel Bryan. It's like I love AJ Styles, but at the same time, it's like every week it's Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan. So while it gets old and it loses that appeal, so why is it so special to see for Daniel Bryan because he wasn't wrestling for three years? It's not like he's full time. We seen Russell he's been yeah. in every single SmackDown in some form since Mania, and yet he wrestles in the pay per view. It's not really that special. AJ Styles and Nakamura is different because they've already been full time, so we expect to see them every week. But Daniel Bryan, I think WWE is just playing the safe route. But Daniel Bryan doesn't yeah, which mind. Is sad. Which is which yeah. is sad because they're basically just kind of drawing his na- name down to the ground, seemingly you know because he could leave, and you know it's it's you know it's kind of shady if if it is the case, and again. Nothing's confirmed at this time, but if that is the case, 
you know, that is really sad that uh, WWE would kind of drive them to the ground because, there's, again, uh, you know, there's some reports, you know, that Daniel Bryan is, uh, you know, he admits that he's too, he gets too silent at times. Um, guys like Daniel Bryan and Nakamura should be special attractions, not wrestling every week. Totally agree with that, 100%. Um, especially Daniel Bryan. You know, it's it's like, you know, there were some reports talking about how, you know, he he's he's admitted that he's he, he doesn't speak up enough, um, you know, in, in meetings to you know to get pushes and to get, you know, uh, ways things things that he suggests and things like that. But you know, nowadays, you know, it's the time to do that now, you know, because you know, it, it he's got he's got the leg up. Because his, if his contract's up in four months, and I mean that's October time, that's you know only three months before uh, Russell Kingdom. I mean, talk about a potential build to anybody. I mean, come on. I mean, you've got uh, you, you've got Kenny Omega, you've got Jay White, you've got Will Osprey, you've got Cody. You know, you've got. Uh, you've Kata, got Ishii, Kanahashi. you've got Tetsuya Naito, you've got uh, Ta- I'm like, my right. goodness, Daniel Bryan versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Are you kidding me, dog? People, so many people on New Japan, and you're gonna R H Daniel Bryan to go to you. I'm sorry, <clears throat> Bryan Bryan Danielson to go to you and make a killing in New Japan and R H. You know, Ring of Honor. Homecoming and you know Jay Lethal and it, it, I mean it's so it, the thing with, with Daniel Bryan I feel it's a win-win because if you stay in WWE of course you know he he lives a very modest life although he's probably set for life and then he stays in WWE of course he has the exposure he'll be making more money but then it's yeah. a win-win because suppose he leaves the Yes Chan I believe I uh, saw this article earlier today over the holiday. Wasn't you said on somebody wrote about the impact of the yes chance outside of wrestling, where the yes chance, which is like woo, one of the few chances I said before when this show went online, and where it's transcended wrestling. Oh yeah, where everyone does it. So yeah. he's transcended pro wrestling, and if he goes to WWE, then it is possible for him to listen. You can make more money if you on a certain level. Outside of WWE, and if you were in it, so if Daniel Bryan yeah. does happen to go to New Japan, then he'll be set for a good year too. The, the program oh, certainly. is made all certainly. of his name, and then even if he decides to stay in the states, he can do a total ROH. He can go to New Japan. There's it, 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 so much stuff he can do. Where money, money, he's probably going to be the biggest free agent if he does decide to leave. Oh, oh my goodness! Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, if if Daniel Bryan leaves WWE, oh my goodness, he'll be a, uh, an amazing. I mean, he will be the hottest free agent. I mean, even hotter than Cody when he was a free agent. I'm um, doing well, GHP. Thank you for asking, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, he he will be um, he'll be he'll be great. Uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see where this goes. I'm uh, you know hopefully. You know, uh, if it's w- according to WWE, I mean, hopefully they <laughs> figure something out with, with Daniel Bryan. Um, of course, you they can't force him to say resign, uh, but 
the way that they're booking him, man, it just oh, it seems like we'll get Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass again at Money in the Bank, which I mean, what is I mean, why Daniel Bryan beat him at Backlash? What is I mean, there's no stipulation. I'd imagine there's no stipulation with this thing. Daniel Bryan already made him tap out of backlash. What else is there to do? So, I mean, it, and I hope, and I certainly, certainly hope that Big Cass does not defeat Daniel Bryan. Now, if Big Cass beats Daniel Bryan, it really, it, it really seems like WWE is trying to pigeonhole and, and try to uh, kind of strong arm uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, Next question. Who did Edge defeat to win his first World Heavyweight Championship? Who did Edge defeat to win his first World Heavyweight Championship? Now, be be sure to see. See, somebody already said it, and I was just about to uh, explain it. I'm saying World Heavyweight Championship for a reason, not the WWE Championship but the World Heavyweight Championships. People are saying, John Cena. Uh, that would be correct if it was for the WWE Championship. Um, nope. Uh, I got a comment saying I feel bad for Daniel right now, although I think they're ma- milking it until SummerSlam to do Daniel versus Miz. Of course, you know, I, I definitely see that. Uh, I definitely see Daniel Bryan versus Miz. However, you know, it's like, why are you – um, the job got Gregory going on. That is the correct answer. The Undertaker, 2007. Um, <laughs> the Monday night and cash it in against the Undertaker. The is, this is when this is when the uh, uh, SmackDowns were taped and they had it on the ticker. I think it was like a ECW during the ECW event or something like that. They had it on the ticker that uh, Edge defeated. The Undertaker to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Very interesting stuff there. It's uh, it's Wendy Wilkins. Shout out to Furnace on the phone. If uh, anybody can visit YouTube, their matches, the great matches he had in Japan. Many of us were for all Japan and New Japan and England. A lot of success. And, um, Overseas, I'm scary fans, but they just couldn't get. They just really couldn't get over WWE much. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people. I mean, when I when I really think about that, I think about just there's there's so many people who were really good who did really good in Japan, uh, in Mexico, but uh, couldn't. I mean, I think one of the, or I think one of the most recent examples of this is uh, Sin Cara. I mean, he was a uh, he was huge in Mexico and, and Triple H. You know, he went he wanted to make him his pet project um, because he did so well in Mexico. It came up as Sin Cara. Uh, he was uh, Mistico at first uh, in, in Mexico, and uh, Triple H wanted to bring him up and make him a big star. Uh, we saw that, you know, just with. Um, his first, you know, it's funny if you look at Sin Cara's win history, he beat some some huge names uh, in the beginning of his career. Um, clean, I remember, I remember he had a clean win against Daniel Bryan, uh, and it was he. he got, I think he did the Spanish Fly at first, um, and then he 
kind of, I think he botched a, uh, a hurricane run against, I think maybe Chavo Guerrero, if I'm not mistaken. And that became like his, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's his first, you know, couple months, two, three months, it was huge. And then, you know, Mystico, you know, he kind of phoned it in for, for the rest of his time and they changed him, you know, he ch- changed his character. So only popularity Sin Cara now is when I go back and watch the WWE WrestleMania Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I got a comment that says that that language barrier hurts Sin Cara big, and that's a good point as well. Yeah, that is very correct. I think Hunico is on the mask now, if I'm not mistaken. So, but I will um, say that um, from now people within the side of WWE sourcing some ex talent that was wrestling around the time of Sin Cara, the original dates also said that WWE tried to rush them so quick. To the main roster because they were saying I didn't think about this. I'm not gonna mention who it is, but when you wrestle in Mexico, you wrestle a certain style. It take you time to get adjusted to the American style. And from what some of the former WWE saw, the one against the one at the time WWE said WWE was so focused on trying to get the next Rey Mysterio, or get the next person to try to get the Latino demographic. And he rushed him to yeah. the main roster. He really didn't give him time to really adjust. And he was struggling trying to adjust to echo not only the American style, but the WWE style, as opposed to, excuse me, fans, what he was used to. And shout out to the time when uh, Del Rio uh, got upset when, remember, he uh, broke his finger, injured his finger, he yeah. stopped the match, and Del Rio kicked him. <laughs> That was really bad. See, that was a really bad spot for Sin Cara because people called him a wuss oh, since. I mean, not not Hunico. I've heard, you know, Hunico's known to be a pretty tough guy, actually. Uh, but uh, Mystico, uh, not not so much. Next trivia question: What year did the Headbangers win the World Tag Team Championship? What year did the Headbangers? win the World Tag Team Championship. Speaking of tag teams, the Authors of Pain, whoa, gross, already. And, I, you know, I love that. I love when people know their wrestling trivia. 1997, their first and only World Tag Team Championship reign by the Headbangers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that surprised me. I remember watching it back in the day in 1997. That surprised me. Never saw the Headbangers as a world tag team title caliber team. But, you know, it makes sense because they were a memorable gimmick and they say that they had one reign as world tag team championships, uh, world tag team champions. Makes sense. Will they ever go to the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, But they can always say that, you know, that always increases stock in the Indies. I'm a former world I'm a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, so it always helps. Um, speaking of tag teams, this tag team seemed like they were a shoe-in to automatically ascend and be one of the hottest teams on Raw. But at the same time, um, yeah, just like the Bushwhackers, <laughs> they were just gimmick, but hey, they made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I've seen, and I've had, a, I've had Bushwhacker... Uh, um, Leak on my show 
And, uh, you know, I think for the Bushwhackers, it was the body of work, you know, for the Bushwhackers in total. You know, I don't think it, I don't think it was simply a WWE thing because they were just gimmick. I mean, they were just like really like the, uh, what's my, what's my boy's names? The young stallions, um, Oh, man. WWE just, you know, uh, not not necessarily. I mean, they they weren't an over team. They were in popularity. They were the most over te- one of the most over teams in the eighties as as far as popularity is concerned. Uh, but as far as just winning championships, they never won a championship. So, but at the same time, um, they they said that basically before they came to the WWE, they were already an established tag team for 20 years. So their body of work, you know, was, was that they were just fun and we need teams like that. Sometimes I agree with that. I agree with that. So especially in the eighties and the early nineties, it it was really, it was really a, um, uh, an industry based on gimmicks, based on characters. And I always say this still, I mean, Still to this day, I think wrestling should be about characters first, wrestling second, and um, that's that's what it should be because it's like, hey, listen, I it, I was I was dry I was driving I think a day or two ago, um, got a comment here that says the, the Steiner brothers needed to be in the Hall of Fame. I totally agree. Um, yeah, because however, Scott, uh, your boy Scott Steiner, Scotty, uh, Scotty Steiner, Triple H. And uh, he always talk about the WWE Hall of Fame. He he just he craps all over the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, I got a comment. Is it only me doing this podcast? Yes, every this is my podcast every Tuesday. I got uh, my co-host Evan Prout uh, uh, via voice. You can hear him. He he uh, does it with me. Um, and. Uh, Thank you for asking. Yes, this is uh, the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I this was uh, homegrown. Uh, thank you for the hashtag. <laughs> um, and this is uh, the 322nd episode, and I've been doing this podcast for six straight years. You know, it's funny because I was um, talking to Shane Helms uh, before I interviewed him, and I I think actually he said this during the interview as well. Uh, just Google. Pancakes and Power Slam, Shane Helms. He was talking about how he does a pod. He used to do a podcast and uh, just how tough it was. He didn't realize how tough it was doing a podcast and preparation until he started one. And, you know, he was one of my favorite interviews because I think him more than anyone, as far as a wrestler is concerned, he understood, he got it, you know, as far as just understanding how much it takes to to prepare for a podcast and, you know, he was overwhelmed by, I think it was five years at the time. I interviewed him last year. Uh, but now it's it's been six years uh, and almost two months yeah. that, the, that the Pancakes and Power Slam show has been uh, on air. And 322 weeks, we have not missed a single week on this show. So thank you for asking. Um, but, yeah, the authors of pain, the, the authors of pain, uh, just just seems like it. They were just a shoe in, a shoe in. I mean, like it just. I I just don't understand how you would not utilize a team like the Authors of Pain. It makes absolutely no sense to me 
And, you know, as as green as they were in NXT, they grew and they matured so quickly. And, of course, when I first saw them, I think they attacked uh, the American Alpha. And then afterwards, Paul Elling walked out. And I was like, what the heck is this? You know, because I'm so used to I mean, My favorite team of all time is the, the Legion of right. Doom. I'm yeah, so cool. used to Paul Ellering being with the Legion of Doom, and I see him. I mean, of course he had he was with um, with the DOA, you know, back in the Attitude Era. But that was that was bad news. But uh, I, I'm so used to Paul Ellering being with the Road Warriors, the Legion, Legion of Doom, and seeing him with the Authors of Pain. I was very res- I had my reservations like strongly in the beginning. But as time progressed, um, I, I was a fan of it. I think I think Paul Ellering was exactly what they needed because it brought back the old school concept of I'm not going to talk because I'm the heel. I want to let my actions speak for themselves, and I'm going to have a mouthpiece doing that. So that's what I love about that whole old school feel of tag teams, which I think it should happen. It still should be the case. You have the old school feel. You have the heels doing the work and the ring and the mouthpieces, the Bobby Heenans of this world, the Jimmy Hart's of this world, the Slicks of this world, speaking for that. They need a team, the ALP, with Roman Reigns and be up the whole roster, a dominant heel faction. That would be pretty cool. Um, they they have all shield type of stuff. Um Good good comment. I think them destroying the barbecue on Raw would have been a quick way to get them more TV time, especially with all these jobbers there in the ring. They're missing too many weeks. That's it. That's exact. I mean, that's it. <laughs> that that's it right there. That would have been a perfect time to really kind of transition uh, the authors of pain back onto the roster. I mean, they're competing on main events right after their debut because WWE has nothing for them. And it and it demolishes a character if you bring them up to say, oh, man, I don't know where to put you. Keep them in NXT. I mean, you, you, you know, here's the thing, and they did this with Apollo Crews as well for a while. You cannot bring someone up. And they did this with uh, Tyler Breeze for a while too before he started teaming up with Fandango. Uh, I would like the B team to use the old NWO Big Team music. I think, I think we had the same conversation a few weeks ago about the NWO B Team music. I think someone just wants to hear it. Yeah, we did. Someone wants to hear it. Right now, again, the NWO B Team music for life. We are in control. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's ask a, another trivia question before the next headline. Which pay-per-view did Goldberg beat Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship in 2003? Which pay-per-view Goldberg beat Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship in 2003? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and, uh, and you know, I'm buddies with with Drew McIntyre, and uh, uh, I think I, I love I love Drew McIntyre uh, what they're doing with him. I I love it, love it, I absolutely love it. Uh, good job, Gruss. Unforgiven, Dustin as well. Good job. 
Unforgiven 2003. Uh, I think what really is hurting the authors of pain right now is the success of Dolph Ziggler and Drew Galloway as a tag team. Now, they're dominating as heels right now, and it seems like they don't want the authors of pain and Ziggler and McIntyre to be on the same brand, uh, to be that kind of dominant heel tag team right now. I think eventually they're going to set up McIntyre and Ziggler for Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. People are criticizing Hardy and Wyatt as a tag team. I, for, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I love <laughs> I like Hardy and Wyatt Leader as a tag team. I I, lo- I love them because it's been it, it's way overdue that uh, well, Bray Wyatt he needed a, he needed a face turn. I mean that that was the thing. He was so just in the middle so many for so much of his career that that face turn really really helps him. And they they're solid as a tag team. They're polished. It's something different. It helps Matt Hardy uh, with his with his Woken character because even the WWE version. Of Woken was just crap to me, but inserting Bray Wyatt as someone who's kind of seen the light, I think it's I think it's I think it's really good writing, and I and I really like uh, Bray Wyatt, and um, yeah, I agree. Matt Hardy saved Bray Wyatt Hello. absolutely, um, absolutely, one hundred percent agree with that. And I think that I if it. they do split up, you know, they don't have to like neither. Like, here's the thing. If they do split up, they don't have to, you know, one of them don't have to turn heel. You know, I'll be fine to see. I'll be intrigued to see a, a singles push uh, or a singles run as a babyface from Bray. I think it'll be pretty cool. I think he gets over. People like him. Uh, but right now, I think he's in a really good position to establish himself as a babyface. So I don't, I don't, I don't know <laughs> whatsoever. But it seems like they're kind of grooming them for Ziggler and McIntyre, um, which I definitely would be fine with Ziggler and McIntyre winning the tag team championships as well. Um, but it seems like WWE doesn't want the offense of pain to be in that prominent heel spot, which is terrible because... This is not 1992 with the big strong tag teams like the Wolverine right. and Barbarian. Like, right. They're they're yeah, and I agree. Hardy got a question saved, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hardy saved Bray's quest- career. Yeah, he did. He did. And I, make a you know, and I like it. Like I, said, I like the tag team, but um, you know, I, I don't see I don't see McIntyre and Ziggler together for a long time. Uh, although, nah. uh, you know, I do see Authors of Pain together. I, I don't think they should have. Lost. I don't think. I don't think Paul Ellering should have, uh, you know, been cut from the team. There was some talks of him not, uh, not enjoying the travel, um, but he, you know, he tweeted that that's not the case. But I, I don't know if that's true. Uh, but just them without the manager hurts too, and so it's sad because they're a really good team. They're, uh, I hope they, I hope this is what I really hope. I hope the WWE doesn't get to the point where they're become like Ascension 2.0. That would be absolutely terrible. Um, got a question here. Do you think Paul Ellering would manage another tag team? No, I do not. I, I don't. Um, I think he has his own restaurant and, uh, uh, I've called it before. I think it was in Florida. I don't remember where it was. Uh, 
I don't remember where it is though. Um maybe it maybe Georgia, either Georgia or Florida, one of those southern southern states. I don't remember exactly what it was where it was. I'll I'll find that out though. Uh, what do you think about a heel faction led by Bobby Roode? Uh, it's in Minnesota. Okay, Rock Tavern in Erie. It's in Minnesota. Um, got another question here. What do you think about a heel faction led by Bobby Roode with a heel Chad Gable in the revival? Ric Flair as the manager. Hmm. I don't think WWE's... Um, so a heel faction led by Bobby Roode with Chad Gable and the revival, with Flair as the manager. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Just, just go back to TNA when it was Fortune. Fortune, yeah, I saw the, the, the that's immediately uh, what I thought about was Fortune and Fortune. Fortune was and uh, what, was, what was the other one? Fortune and um. Immortal. Immortal. Um, is it me or is it, is it me? It's Bobby Roode. I have like little keys, you know, the shutter song and, and fans listening to your show on mine. I, I, I really look at the smallest details. First of all, I don't, I, I never like it when wrestlers, they wear their, 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 their shirts anywhere over top their trunks because it's like they're walking around naked. Bobby Roode, when you come out and wear his robe, it's like he just got out the bathroom. It, it, does, it doesn't, it just doesn't. Look of feeling when he does run is like, why are you doing a running with your rope? I never got that. If you're not wrestling, why are you in your wrestling tights? Yeah. You're not like realistically, why are you Blame wearing Flair wrestling tights if you don't have a match? <laughs> right. Yeah. Arn touches in the players. Yeah. Green Slayer and Arn. Yeah. Um, okay. So this heel faction, I'm interested to think about this a little bit more. Um, so, I think mm, at the pace he's going, I don't see. I don't think Vince sees Rude as the top guy. I agree with that too. Unfortunately, I think Rude's good. Um, okay, so heel faction, Bobby Rude as a heel. Uh, so he's leading the with Chad gave him the revival. See, here's the problem I have with that. So. I don't think Flair would be the manager because WWE, I mean, he's having some health scares and just having him on the road every week wouldn't be the, wouldn't be a good idea. Um, now Bobby Roode as a heel faction leader is fine. I think, I think that'll be fine. Now, Chad Gable, the only thing I don't see, um, I don't see a, uh, uh, dominating heel persona with Chad Gable. He's great in the ring, fantastic. But I don't see Gable. I mean, he's, he's just his size, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. But I think it's his size. This, this is what I would do with. This is what I would do with Gable. Actually, I would. I would take. I would take Chad Gable. I, I would make him a part of Two Hundred Five Live. I think he'd be a part of. Uh, I think he'll have some great matches for 205 Live. Um, I would like to see, you know, like him and Buddy Murphy, him and Hideo Tommy. I think that would be some some really good matches there. But I don't see him as like some dominating heel persona, you know, like because even like the Tully Blanchard. See, when I think this is what I think about when I think of Horseman, I think of a 
six foot to six two uh, type of uh, really charismatic leader. Uh, and then I see um, the other two being, you know, 5'11 to 6'2 type of not necessarily a, a, a chiseled built, but just like a, just, you know, just kind of like a solid built, not necessarily like total buff or anything like that. So two of those like that. And then the third one, I, I mean, the fourth one I see is like an enforcer robe, a little taller, a little bigger. So for instance, you got Flair, Tully, Arn, and Barry Wyndham. So uh, someone's saying Chad could be the Tully of, uh, of the got, faction. See, no, I, don't, I don't see that. I don't. I don't see that. Tully's just uh, Chad is just too small for me, unfortunately, just to be a part of that. So you forgot Paul you know, Roma, brother. No, I didn't forget Paul Roma. I totally. <laughs> I, I intentionally. <laughs> I intentionally didn't uh, say just, Paul Roma because. If anybody, uh, I said this before. I said this before. I think we, I don't know if I said this before on the show. But I told you off air. If there's any dolphin listening, that how Paul Roman was as a horseman. I've I've become good friends with JD Dillon. He's been on my show multiple times. We've talked off air uh, at conventions for three to four hours at a time. No joke with Jerry Lawler. I mentioned Paul Roman to JJ Dillon. Quote, unquote, he looked at me, he chuckled, and did a sigh. And said, oh, Of course. And, yeah. that, and JJ is the, the nicest, one of the nicest, intelligent guys in the business. But anytime JJ Dillon is speechless, you already know your place of a horseman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's probably one of the worst uh, of uh, all time. I'm I don't know, man. I, that, that, both of them were just really bad. Okay, Marco so John Cena, uh, he wants to compete against the Velveteen Dream. Um, it's very interesting. I think this is very interesting. Finally, do see, here's my question when I thought about this. Now, Dream is one of my favorites in all of WWE right now. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, feuding with Ricochet right now in NXT, I think that's a really good feud. And here's my issue. When I when I think about John Cena uh, feuding with anybody who's a rising star, I, I get I get very cautious because Rusev is just now after over the past six months or so, he's just now you know getting back from um, <laughs> keep Cena far away from NXT. Um, he's just now getting back from Cena beating him at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt, until this Hardy feud, never recovered from Cena beating him at WrestleMania. Alex Riley, when Cena beat him, uh, never recovered. Uh, Wade Barrett never recovered when Cena beat him. So, Umaga. you know, way Omaga never recovered. Unfortunately, there's is, is that you know the the, the man, I, I, just get, I just get really leery when John Cena wants to go against. A rookie, man, because I just his he pattern said. is he'll he he don't mind putting over the vets, you know he'll put over Lesnar like crazy, he'll put over AJ, but it's like those rookies, those up those those up and comers, it's always been an issue with with Mr. Cena. Yeah, 
I'm gonna let you get all your moves in, and then I'm gonna hit you with the AA, and then you'll leave. Yeah. And then you'll be I'll stuck you in WWE purgatory for for five years. Yeah. I'll hit you with one AA, John and Cena rule. you're done. Yeah. So. Yeah, John Cena rule. I don't know, man. You know, I if, if it takes, to, well, to to be fair, I will say this: he did put uh, Kevin Owens over, so I will give him that. Um, but you know, well, he but he won that. at the end, though. He, he won at he, he won at the end, though. So you know. I don't count that because he put him over because Kevin because Kevin Owens great he's great. Kevin Owens had a sprinkle of Triple H. And Vince liking them, so even John Cena can't veto that. But like you said, at the right. end of the day, he's an AJ Styles over. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, he's a AJ Styles a veteran. He's not an up and comer. He's you know, this is yeah. this is know, reaching the latter parts of his career. Here. So Patrick's yeah. from here locally. He's a good guy. I've known him and Leo Rush for a good number of years. But he went up the E. Uh, oh man, I, I hope good old Patrick doesn't uh. <laughs> don't get stuck in the purgatory. <laughs> I don't. I I hope uh, someone's mentioning Baron Corbin too. I think that's that's another one. Oh yeah. You know, he well, opened the open SummerSlam last year against Baron Corbin, and Corbin, you know, he he cost Corbin his uh, his Money in the Bank. You know, he he distracted him for Jinder Mahal to roll him up. And then he went against Corbin at SummerSlam and beat Corbin in the opening match. And Corbin hasn't but, uh, he hasn't recovered since, man. You know, Corbin's another well, one. He's he's in. Do you blame for what Cena put Cena put Daniel Bryan over too. 
So, I mean, that's one of the only people that... I don't that, count that. Uh, that that's family, though. That, that's family. I don't count that. That's family ties. I don't. I don't even know if they were, or no, nah, no. Nah, I don't. I don't think they had any kind of family. But. <laughs> all right, but um, all right. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, like I, like I said, if if Cena Dream happens, you know, I really hope that Dream actually. You know, Cena's at the, at the point of his career. There's nothing left to prove. He's 40 years old. There's nothing. There's nothing else. I mean, I think he's 41 now. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that. There's nothing left for Cena to do. He needs to put people over. Uh, all right, so the cool heel thing before we get to Raw and SmackDown. Um, uh, so Daniel Bryan feels that Brock Lesnar doesn't care about a dream match with him, uh, which makes sense because Brock Lesnar didn't care about uh, Dean Ambrose's ideas uh, <laughs> during their WrestleMania match, unfortunately. Um, and it's it's, you know, it's one of those things. The reason why Lesnar's getting critiqued now, man, he just phones it in. He just, you know, he he admitted in Jericho's podcast. I think it was like about two or three years ago that he just, it's a business to him. He clocks in and clocks out. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate, man. And he hasn't he hasn't been. The last time he was on WWE television was the Greatest War Rumble, and that was over a month ago. You know, just no thirty day rule for Brock Lesnar. Just, I mean, here's the thing. I've said this before, and I and I stick to it. I am totally fine with with WWE and with pro wrestling champions with with champions, you know, not being there every week. I'm totally fine with that. That's how I used to be with Hogan, and that's what that's what made Hogan one be a long champion and two have so much success as a babyface because he wasn't oversaturated. It's funny because. I think that Lesnar and Styles are two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Lesnar just doesn't come after three months. Uh, that's how it was last year. He won the title at WrestleMania and didn't compete until Great Balls of Fire in July. You know, and that's three months of just not seeing Lesnar. Now it's been a month. Not going to be at Money in the Bank. He'll probably go against, you know, he'll probably compete at Extreme Rules. So it'll be almost another three months before we see him. So, you know, I think that, you know, if we're not going to see you at least play into a storyline or have something like that, but just not seeing you putting all the weight on people like Seth Rollins and uh, and AJ Styles, now it makes AJ Styles, it decreases his stock because we're seeing AJ Styles every single week yes. and he's getting beat up and he's not getting protected like time. a champion should. There's again with with Daniel Bryan, there's nothing distinct about AJ Styles that makes him look like a champion. So it's really hurting his stock for sure. Um all right. Yeah, uh, did I watch did I watch Impact someone told me. I watched highlights of it. Um Impact still going uh, on? Gabriel asked me that. Go ahead, Evan. I was just gonna say, does Impact still come on? Or was joking around. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Impact. You know, it's it's trying. You know, it's trying. I mean, yeah, you know, we've got people like Don Morrison and Congo Kong, and you know, it, it's they're trying to they're use good. a lot of home talent uh, nowadays because you know I, that that's good and that's bad because KM. You know, it's you know I don't ever see KM being. 
yeah, uh, anybody anywhere else. Honestly, I, I just I don't see him. He's just one of the most blandest characters ever. Um, all right, so let's let's move on. Um, Don Callis was talking about the cool heel factor, which uh, you know he even oh he nailed it, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Uh, he was talking about how there's too many cool heels. Um, that's just a thing nowadays, you know, and, and there's because there's a, you know, the cool heels get the cheers and they make the baby faces look, you know, like jokes, you know, and it's 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 one of those things, man, you know, that, that it, it makes it really tough for the baby face. We've talked about this before, but if you get a chance, uh, type that. Uh, someone's talking about Jericho and Impact. That's that's been a kind of a story, you know. He just retweeted something that Callis was talking about. Him and Callis, of course, people know him and Callis are good buddies. Callis was instrumental in him going to Japan and feuding with uh, Kenny Omega. So, uh, you know, Jericho said plenty of times that he's a WWE lifer, you know, and, uh, you know, he kind of run things through Vince McMahon, you know, just because of loyalty to him. So I don't see Jericho and Impact. I mean, there's just not, you know, Jericho's nowadays, he's with Fozzie, and he's said plenty of times that I don't, he said, you know, listen, at this point of my career, I don't, unless it's something riveting, unless it's a good story, I don't want any part of it. So uh, someone else is saying John Morrison to potentially go to New Japan. I think that's a great move. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've talked to John plenty of times. I've had him on my show before. Uh, I'm rooting for him, man. Uh, the only thing is he'll be 39 this year, so he doesn't have too many. I mean, he lo- you know, he looks like he's 25. So, I mean, <laughs> he's just all this parkour. Um, so I mean, you know, based on his, you know, based on his physical condition, we'll see, um, we'll see. But I can see some good stuff with uh, John Morrison. Uh, another question: Do you think with the success of Cody now, would Vince ever offer him a deal in the future? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I can definitely see that. Uh, I can see Cody back in the WWE. Um, I don't know when, but I'll say within the next uh, few years. Morrison is on a new season of Survivor. That is true, and I am a huge Survivor fan, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. All right, so uh, let's let's get into Raw and SmackDown review. Um, right before that, let's ask another question: Who assisted Santino Morella in winning the Intercontinental Championship from Umaga in 2007? Who assisted Santino Morella in winning the Intercontinental Championship? From Umaga in 2007. Uh, great job. I'm telling y'all, everybody who's in the chat right now, you're getting owned by Gruss. Um, Dustin's doing pretty well, too. Jamie, Samsung, great job. Uh, Bobby Lashley, great job. Evan, Raw and SmackDown thoughts. In chat room, give me your sm- uh, Raw and SmackDown thoughts as well. What do you got? Oh, cool. I was looking forward to that great old music. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll put the music over. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
are. There you go. Nice. Uh, I thought mm. SmackDown was, um, no, the beginning segment was, this was weird with Joe. I didn't do SmackDown first. Joe, Brian, and um, Cass. I, I thought the main event was decent. Like I said, Joe choking on Daniel Bryan caught me off guard. Or I thought SmackDown was okay. Um, Ron was just, it seems so like split personality. Nah, Jack's doing a heel turn in a way. Uh, oh, heel running from Kevin, um, running from Strowman. Strowman against Van Balor just looks so weird because of the size differences. Um, did the leader of the world was a level? It just seems like their interest is so long. But I just love it though. Where did the ascension yeah. come from? Thank you that he still was on the air. Uh, did you see uh, the women's match? Uh, main event, Sasha, I believe, against Ruby Riot. My thing is, and I could be wrong for this. I, I mean, every time a, women, a woman wins a match, they have to start doing a fake tears and crying. You're only hmm. qualifying to get in the main, to money in the bank. It's not like you're winning the. It's not like you won the money in the bank. You won the title. Maybe it's me, but it's, I'm just like, come on, Sasha. You get echo crying because you got qualified for money in the bank. You didn't even win it. You just qualified for it. But it's good to see her back on top because she kind of lost. And your boy Jinder Mahal. Shout out to Elias. I love the chair shot. Elias is one of my favorites right now with um, Carmella. Uh, Jinder Mahal is constipated all the time. He had a good match against Seth, but it's like, he, to me, it just seems like he's trying so hard. I just hope he doesn't pop a vein at all. But, um, and, and that, that, what is up with these holiday themed shows? They always gotta have food involved. This is a waste of time. Like, you could have done no. a match. What is, what is actually going on? Anyone that's in those type of segments let you know they have nothing, nothing better for you to do. We're just gonna throw you in the segment. Mm-hmm. Give you air time, you'll get paid, but uh, you're not in any, and in, in, you're not in any uh, important programming. Yeah. So. yeah, for me, um, Elias is money, uh, for sure. Um, uh, he's money, uh, and I and I tweeted this. I think he's just a fantastic heel because, you know, it's one of those things that it, it's such a lost art nowadays that a heel actually wants to draw heat. Because, like, you know, the whole cool heel thing is just, you're not a heel if you're getting cheered and you're not turning those over to booze. Elias is such an amazing, amazing heel. And, it's you know, Elias is so good of a heel that he makes the marks that cheer for him boo him within seconds. You know, and it's just, just, just. Cheap heat one on one. You talk about the you know you talk about the city. You talk about the peep crowd. Just really elementary style heat you know seeking. And he he's he's on it. You know he knows how to do it. He does a fantastic job. I'm really looking forward to this Intercontinental Championship match with Seth Rollins. Rollins is no doubt one of the best people, one of the hottest yeah, people on the roster right now. Absolutely. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, and it's uh, and and this Intercontinental Championship match is is great. You know, and here's the thing: um, they played me on SmackDown Live last week. I thought Lana was going face, and then tonight they pulled us done. See, and, and that's and that's exactly right. And I was going to get to that as far as as far as SmackDown is concerned. It's like they do the, and it, it and it makes it it it's just makes the the the, the person 
it, it, it kills so much stock of this person. You know, Lana, you know, she's get this Lana is the best, num- Lana number one. All these fans are getting excited about her. And then she befriends Naomi, and then I knew she was going to pull some type of heel thing. Uh, and so now she's the heel again, and it's just, it's you know, all this back and forth. It it, hurt, it helps no one at all. Um, someone saying Lana won the dance battle to me. I, I, agree. Know, I think I, 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 I like Naomi better than Lana. I think people, I think the reason why people think Lana won, and, and the crowd popped for for Naomi more, but I pop for Lana too. Because I know that she used to be a dancer, uh, but this whole Russian thing is, you know, it, it kind of took me away from that. And then for her to, you know, do a, I mean, she busts some moves for sure. So that was, uh, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at that. Uh, yeah, and the whole Nia Jax thing, I mean, just, you know, social media went ablaze uh, <laughs> over that because it makes no sense. I mean, you, you spend weeks before WrestleMania. Uh, about anti-bullying, and then, you know, uh, less than two months after Mania, you are a bully again. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you're bullying Ronda Rousey, and you know, telling the crowd, and uh, I think they were in Richmond, telling the crowd to shut up, and it's like, you know, heal, just, just heal stuff, you know. Um, WWE logic, yeah, it is, it's terrible. It, it's just a terrible way to build a star. And if you really want to build Nia Jax, it makes no sense. I mean, people are confused now. You know, I, I wrote an article about it. People are like, okay, so is this a heel turn now? Is this what is this? I don't know what it is. And it first started out with the whole NBC Universal thing, you know, saying, hey. You know, I prefer you more than anybody else because I, you know, you're the one who's talented and so on and so forth. Now it's like you can't put me in the arm bar and this is what's going to happen. You know, it just, and, and Nia Jax needs, I mean, they need to protect Nia Jax as much as they can because Nia Jax is still very, very green, green in the ring. You know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of improvement left for Nia Jax. And, you know, it doesn't make sense at all, you know. And, and yeah, and going back now, she's healed now. That that shut up did it. Yeah, and, it's, you know, I, I think it would have helped Nia Jax if this whole thing, you know, and make, it make, makes sense for her as champion, too, because, the whole champion thing is a little bit premature, honestly, because she's just not ready in the ring. Um, and uh, good, good stat there. N- Nia's tapped twice the arm bars, one to Oscar and one to Becky Lynch. Very, yeah, uh, I think it was what Survivor Series. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's 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 kind of rehashed stuff. People's put her in arm bars before, so that's the angle with it, which is, doesn't make sense. I really wish that Nia would have played the babyface role the whole time. And at Money of the Bank, Stephanie would have came out and cost uh, uh, Ronda Rousey the match. Perfect example. Perfect example to, um, to, to build Stephanie versus Rousey at, Survivor, at, at SummerSlam. Now you have uh, Nia Jackson's kind of like an enforcer role 
for Stephanie, and you can even do you know kind of a, a Austin McMahon type of thing again, you know, with uh, with Rousey and Steph. So, and Nia being a, an enforcer, but they just blew that. I mean, just again, just all this speed microwave booking, you know. It's it, listen. I like Monday. Listen, let me get let me get my in my in my in my inner Booker T dog. I like my steak in the oven, baby. You you got to saute it. You got to season it. You got to put it in the oven. Like right now, putting the steak in the microwave and expecting to deliver it to people and say, hey, this is the real deal. This is authentic. I can taste the bad steak from, from everything. I mean, comparatively, I've had some good steak in my life. Trust me, I've had some good steak in my life, and I've tasted some bad steak, and that's a big difference. And right now, the WWE is microwaving some steak and try to, you know, try to fast track it, and they're like, "Hey, this is going to be as, as good as as, as sautéing it and putting it in the oven." It's going to no, it's not WWE. It's not. Not only is it not good, it's bad, <laughs> and, and and that's where we're getting with Nia Jax right now. Um, B team stuff like like you know the comment on here uh, on the chat. I think that would have been a perfect time to integrate uh, authors of pain in the mix. Um, so you know we'll see. Uh, they 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 messed up. They messed an opportunity to to integrate authors of pain. That could be solely separate from uh, the. They could be totally separate from the tag team division. They can feud against Titus Worldwide. You got still got Slater and Rhino. They can do uh-huh. something to make themselves important. Um, Bobby Lashley is getting, you know, pops. You know, big kudos to him. You know, saluting the the the, uh, the veterans. I was a big fan of that. He got huge pops for that. You know, people don't like what they're doing with Lashley, but you know, I I, I didn't like the sister thing, but he's getting, you know, he's getting pops. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, I'm not the I'm not that type of guy to say turn him heel. You know, you don't always have to turn. Someone heal, just book them better as a baby face. It's not, it is not, to me, it's not always automatic like that. Just say, hey, just turn them heel. No, it, it that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, within SmackDown, I mean, we talked about Daniel Bryan, what I think was going on with him. Um, the dance off, big fan of New Day, man. I've always liked New Day, and uh, they, I mean, that was a fantastic match. That was probably one of the best televised matches. Uh, in, in 2018. So I was a big fan of that six-man match. And I hope it's Big E um, that's chosen, and I hope he wins the briefcase. So I would be a big fan of that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got five minutes to go. Uh, let's get into the flavor of the week. We shall be right back. It is now time for the flavor of the Money in the Bank match um, that shouldn't have been. So, um, before we get to you, Evan, I got another trivia question. Did y'all think about it? Steve Armstrong was known as what name in WWE? Steve Armstrong was known as what name in the WWE? All right, for the chat room, once again, the play of the week this week is uh, five five people uh, who should not have been in their respective Money in the Bank match tag. So, if you 
and remove one person from a particular Money in the Bank match uh, five times. I'm going to go for that one. Yeah. Some real things, some 
real huge, huge, awesome, awesome things uh, coming up. So follow me at Crave Wrestling. Uh, follow me at Chris Prolific. Um, I'll go ahead and put that here on the uh, chat. Chris Prolific. I've got some really interesting things coming up. Uh, thank you so much. Great podcast. Great podcast is what it said. On behalf of Evan Tech Proud, I am Chris Featherstone. Been an honor. Enjoy your week with wrestling. God bless. And always remember, ladies and gentlemen. I do. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.